right, welcome church. Will you stand with us and join us as we worship?
in a lowly manger, alone, nobody really knew except for some shepherds and wise men. But hope re-entered the world, brought Israel out of exile, and brought all of us hope. So this next song is a new one, and I want to invite you to take a seat. If you know this one, you're welcome to sing. If not, you're welcome to take in the words of this song that, like the Israelites when they were still in exile, call for the presence of God to come. That we are not enough without God. So I invite you to worship with us quietly with this wonderful song called Here Again.
Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't stay far away, but he came. We sing this out.
fundamentally at work in our hearts and our minds and even in our bodies. We love you. We choose to live for you. We are your people called by your name. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. As you're doing so, I want to invite our ushers to join me here up front as we prepare to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Happens to be our daughter, who is now a married woman. Yeah, there's still days that creeps me out, but it's a great thing. And Michael and Mia have been here with us, uh, and, and Michael's family for Christmas. And Michael is actually bringing us the word today, which is an exciting thing. So. You haven't heard my son-in-law preach. You're in for a real treat. Um, but uh, man, what what a blessing it is uh, to watch our kids grow up and become functional humans in an adult world. Right, right. Um, Jesus, thank you for your awesome provision. The provision that you have brought to us individually and in our family units and and the provision that you brought to our church family. And we thank you in advance for the provisions that are, that are coming, that are on their way. We honor you today with our tithes and our offerings. Take what we have to bring to you. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. kids to come up. You can bring your offerings, children, up here and then hang out with me right here because with it being the last Sunday of the month, it's Sermon in the Sack Day, so if, even if you're a kid here and you're visiting for the first time, you are invited and welcome to come up and hang out. See a number of kids have yet to make their way. Jay Daria, you want to come up? Come on up. Yeah. If you're a visitor here today, so what we like to do, the last Sunday of each month, we like to have our kids in here with us. And um, we like to just take a moment to have the kids come up and hang out with me, and I always get a surprise. Somebody brings me something in a sack, and I have the task of pulling it out and trying to have a lesson. Wow, what do we got? We got a couple of things in here. We got, oh, many options. Well, this is the first thing I pulled out, so I'm going to, I'm leaving a watch and a rubber ducky 
and a cat in the back. Because these are, seems like the first things that came out. Okay, what do we have here? We have the summer rolls are the ones that brought headphones. And what do you use these for? Playing music, yeah. Anything else? Oh, so you can isolate the sound like from a computer or your phone and have it just in your own ears. Okay. And I won't get in trouble. Yeah, so you can... So you can keep the sound um, of the, whatever device you're listening to from everybody else hearing it, so you can just hear it by yourself. And, and so you have a device that is communicating directly into your ears. How, how does God talk to you? God talks to your heart. And, and when he does, is that... Is it something that you just feel, or do you seem to understand what it is that he's saying to you? What do you think? Yeah, yeah sometimes you kind of, sometimes you understand it, sometimes you don't. Have, have, raise your hand if you feel like you've heard God speak to your heart at some point in your life. Yeah. Has he ever spoken to your ears? Has he ever, like, talked to you like you hear through a, through a set of headphones? No. It happened a few times in the Bible. Can you think of, can you think of somebody, even a little boy, that heard the voice of God, like, directly into his ears and thought it was another human? Not David. Little boy in the Old Testament named Samuel. You remember Samuel? Who's heard of Samuel? Raise your hand if you heard of Samuel. Yeah, Samuel was a little boy, and um, and one night he started hearing his name, Samuel. And so Samuel jumps up out of bed and runs into the other room because he thinks it's um, Eli, who Samuel is serving in the temple, um, a, a man named Eli. And he keeps running in his room. Yes, Eli, I'm here. What do you need? And Eli's like, I didn't say anything. Go back to bed. And Samuel goes back to bed. And Samuel jumps up out of bed, runs back into the room. Yes, Eli, I'm here. Eli says, no, it's, it's not me. After the third time, Eli realizes Samuel's hearing God's voice. So Eli says, next time you hear this, Samuel, um, you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then God begins to pour a message into his heart. Now, I've never heard God speak into my ears like that, and you've never heard God speak in your ears, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't speak. He can speak right into our hearts. He can speak through, through his Bible, right, when you're reading. Um, sometimes he can speak through those words. He can speak through... Um, um, a teacher or a preacher. Um, he can speak through your parents. That's, isn't that crazy? I know it's crazy to think that he can speak through your parents, but it's true. It's true. So 
my encouragement to you, especially as we come into 2020, year 2020, is that you will have ears to hear the voice of God. Maybe not directly into your ears, but that you will pay attention to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Pray with me, William. Close your eyes. Dear Jesus, I thank you for our kids and what they mean to us and how, how they minister to us and how they show us what it means to have faith in you. I thank you that many of them here raise their hands saying that at some point in their young lives they have heard your voice speaking to their hearts. And I pray that this year, this coming year, it will be an amazing year for them hearing your voice, hearing and sensing your spirit speak to them. May they continue to know you more and more and more. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Will you give these kiddos a hand? Thank you so much. You can take that back to your seat. And head right over to Miss McKenzie. She's got your notebooks for you. And let's welcome Reverend Michael Arsenault. My own beauty. Well, good morning, everybody. It's definitely been a little while since I've been back here, and as I look out into the crowd, there's certainly some of you that I don't know, um, and that's weird for me. So to introduce myself, um, I'm Michael Arsenault, and as Brian is currently, or as he said already, I'm his son-in-law. I uh, currently live in Nashville with my wife, Mia, and I'm working on my Master of Divinity degree at Vanderbilt University. Um, if you get a chance, after the service, I'd love to meet you and to say hello um, and just get to know you a little bit. But for those of you who I already know, it's good to see you today and to be back in a space of worship with you. Um, thank you so much for welcoming me and I here, and thank you again for being a part of our worship experience this morning. Would you just extend our time of worship by just a little bit with me as we Go to the Lord in a short word of prayer in anticipation of what God has to say to us this morning. God of glory, praise is our cry this morning. For you have come among us and bore our burdens. Your splendor shines from a manger in Bethlehem, where the light of the world is humbly born into the darkness of human night. Open our eyes to Christ's presence in the shadows of our world so that we, like him, may become beacons of your justice and defenders of all for whom there is no room. In Jesus' name, amen. There's, there's an old, familiar song that you've probably heard at some point this past month. It goes a little something like this, and I'm not going to sing for you, so you don't have to worry about pulling your earplugs out. But the song goes something like this. It says, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Now, I'm happy to report to you this morning that it's officially the fourth day of Christmas, and as of yet, I have no birds to speak of. And 
Mia is probably very thankful for this as well, because if, if she followed the lead of this song, she would be spending approximately $40,000 on my Christmas presents. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> this is, it's kind of a fun little song. Um, maybe it drives you crazy every single year with the constant and almost unceasing melody. But there's something deeper inside of this song. As, as a child, I, I remember being puzzled by this song. Like, I thought Christmas was only one day. Like, isn't Christmas day? The day that we celebrate Jesus' birth? What's up with there being 12? Is it like just an excuse so that way people can give me more presents? Is that really it? And it, it took me a little bit longer than I would like to admit, but I, I finally discovered the deeper truth of this song. If you have young kids next to you, now's a great time to plug their ears because in reality, there are 12 days of Christmas. Oh, no. <laughs> this, this song, this, this fun little Christmas song that we have is actually taken a long-standing Christian tradition and it's turned it into a song. So starting on December 25th of every single year, we celebrate 12 days of Christmas. It lasts all the way until January 6th when the season of Epiphany begins. So in our own tradition, these 12 days are really meant to be the second biggest time of, of feasting and a celebration in our year. And so this morning, we, we find ourselves square in the middle of this, this true Christmas season. And in fact, today, if you were to go to a lectionary and you were to look up what today is called, today is super creatively named the first Sunday after Christmas Day. Really nailed it on that one, guys. And this, this Sunday, though, it's meant to be a Sunday, a day of continued celebration. And in fact, apart from the Easter celebration, these 12 days are meant to be the largest celebration of the entire year. And we know that we have good reason to celebrate. For God has come. We celebrated that this entire morning so far with the songs that we've sung. We, we celebrate this morning that the divine nature has taken on human nature. That in Christ, these two meet in a way that radically altered the world around us. And that was the whole point of meeting together on Christmas Eve. We celebrate with our families, and then the day after we celebrate with our families on Christmas Day. And so indeed, we, we have a great reason to celebrate if we were to just leave it at that. We could just say, yes, God became human flesh and dwelt among us, and we could celebrate, and we would have an amazing reason to celebrate. But this, this day, and these span of days that we're in, this is Christmas. This is our second biggest celebration of the entire year. And so the word that God has for us today is that there's more to celebrate. But in order to understand this, we, we really need to put this time of year into perspective. Because for the last four weeks, leading up to this past Wednesday, we were participating in what's called the season of Advent. And to be honest with you, this is one of my favorite seasons of the entire year. It's also probably the most misunderstood, apart from maybe Epiphany. But the whole season of Advent, it's about waiting. It's about hoping. It's about expecting. And it's about calling out to God. It's a season to take stock of your life. To begin to call on God for all of your hopes. This, this season of Advent is actually tied directly into the biblical story. Our cries of hope in this season are joined with our spiritual ancestors who cried out in hope for a Savior. 
The spirit of Advent, for me personally, is really captured by the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The song beautifully captures the hope of people who are crying out to their God from exile. The song goes, Come, O come, God's great divine presence among us. Come, Emmanuel, ransom, liberate, free us, us captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until, until the Son of God appears. That doesn't shake you down to your bones. I don't know what will. Because that's power right there. Please, Emmanuel, come and save us. Ransom us from exile that we're mourning here. But we know that it's only until the Son of God appears. It's an amazing way to capture the hope that we celebrate during that season. It's the cry of a people that calls out to their God to rescue them from slavery, from the slavery in Egypt. It's the cry of the people calling out to their God to bring them back from exile. It's the cry of the people who are waiting for their messianic king. And ultimately, it's our cry in this age as we wait and we hope for the return of Jesus. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. This is the spirit of Advent. And we do this really cool thing where we celebrate it every year by reading the Christmas story in preparation for the celebration that's coming. We read and we sing and we prepare our hearts for the coming king. But he's not here yet. But he's not here yet. And then the glorious day of December 25th comes around and the celebration begins. And as I said earlier, we have so many amazing reasons to celebrate, not the least of which is God becoming incarnate and dwelling among us. Because when you take infinity and you somehow manage to squeeze it down into a tiny human-sized package, I mean, that's something pretty big to celebrate. But the celebration can get lost in translation if we forget the Advent season. Because you see, Christmas was not just the random time that God decided to dwell with humanity. But this season was actually the perfect time in response to the people's cry for a king and for a savior and for a return from exile. And this was and still is the reason why we celebrate. Our spiritual ancestors, they were waiting, they were longing, they were preparing. And God responded in a huge huge way. This is one of the reasons why Christmas celebration is such a big deal. We hoped and God responded. There are many words that people use during this time of year that really help capture the feeling and help us make sense of it. Right? You probably heard these as you were lighting an Advent wreath. Um, there are words like peace and hope and love. But if you remember the, the Advent calendar, there's one candle that's a different color. And that candle represents the word joy. And that's the word that I, I want us to grab hold of today. And I want us to talk about today. Because this word is thrown around a lot this season. And honestly, there are very good reasons for that. Because joy typifies the emotional state of the Christmas season. Joy is what it's all about. Right? I mean, you can even walk outside of the church and you can ask people, you know, what's Christmas all about? And you'll probably hear like, oh, Jesus and presents and all this. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, most people say, you know, be a good person on Christmas. Have some joy. 
you know? Bring that. But when you start thinking about the word joy, it, it can be a word that's tricky to pin down to just one definition. The dictionary defines joy as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. However, it seems to me that there's much more to joy than that. Because in the same way that depression is not simply sadness, joy is not just simply happiness. Joy is that feeling that you got when you were a kid, you know, and you're like six or seven, and you woke up on Christmas morning far earlier than you had any right to, and you like ran downstairs, maybe even like jumped on your parents' bed and got them up going, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, just because you were so excited to see what was under that tree. Or maybe joy for you is when you are absolutely parched for water, like real sandpaper mouth going on. And you finally get a sip of that delicious and ice cold water. You see, joy, especially for us this morning, is that emotional place of contentment where you know that everything is going to be okay, despite your circumstances. You know everything's going to be okay. Think about it. Like, if the shepherds in the field were simply happy that they saw the newborn Christ, they'd have been like, cool, we're seeing a baby. Right? But they weren't just simply happy. They were rejoicing. They were terrified at first because of the angels, but they rejoiced. They saw the newborn Christ. They had joy. And in that moment, they knew that there was no circumstance in which that joy could be taken away from them. Your kids or the past you, maybe in the moment of this past Christmas morning, when you remember back to that time, nothing else in the world mattered because of the joy that you experienced, because of the joy that they experienced. And ultimately, joy is the product of one thing, fulfilled hope. And this is what our celebration this morning is focused on, joy that comes from the fulfilled hope of Emmanuel, God with us. There is no greater reason to have joy than this. God heard the prayers of Israel. God answered those prayers in the person of Jesus Christ. If anyone has reason to celebrate today, and for the whole span of the 12 days of Christmas, it should be us. Yeah, absolutely, it should be us. But as many of us are all too aware, it's far easier to have hope, to have joy, during this time of year when we celebrate, and you know, when really everyone else celebrates too, right? Our immediate context, everybody's celebrating joy and happiness in this time of year. And it's during this season when we celebrate joy that I, I'm really reminded in my spirit that Christians are supposed to be the most joy-filled people on the planet. You should not find a person who is more joyful than a Christian who knows that their hope is found in Jesus Christ. We're supposed to possess this unimaginable joy that reminds us in any and all circumstances that everything is going to be okay because we have a God who hears our hopes and who fulfills them. We're supposed to look like a people who have just been freed from slavery. We're supposed to look like a people who have just been brought back from exile. We're supposed to look like a people who are waiting on a promised king who finally came. We're supposed to look like a people who know that their God is coming back to restore and redeem this world. This is part of our vocation as God's people on this earth. It's what we do. We bring joy in places that have none. 
We exemplify joy in our daily lives. That's part of your witness, is exemplifying joy in your daily life. And it is for this reason that we cry out, Emmanuel, God with us. For we know the redemptive and salvific power of God's presence. Put a slight caveat here because I don't want you to hear me wrong. I'm not saying that being a Christian means that you must be happy at all times. Because if I were saying that, that would be a true distortion of the gospel. But what I am saying is that in any and all circumstances, you can cling to joy. You can cling to hope even that things will get better. You can hold on to the joy of understanding that you serve a God who meets hope. And this is what this whole collection of writings here, mine's red, but it's what this whole collection of writings is about. It's all about God who creates and then dwells with creation and lives among the people and hears their hopes and answers their prayers. And it's a story that we are all invited into, into participating. And so we come to this point in Christmas where we say, all right, you know, joy, awesome, I'm tracking with you, I get it. But joy is really hard to hang on to, you know, in July 24th when it's super hot outside and all I want is a cold drink of water. So what can you do to keep joy throughout this year? Well, Christmas is the most appropriate time to talk about joy, both now and in the future, because remembering our reason for joy is the whole point of the Christmas season. The book of Isaiah actually records the reactions of a prophet who has just been freed from exile. Chapter 63, verses 9 through 7, I'm reading the NRSV, it's going to be NIV above me, but you'll get the same sense of it. But chapter 63, verses 7 through 9 say this. It says, I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely, and he became their savior in all their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. What an amazing word. The prophet Isaiah here, he's, he's remembering, he's recalling the accounts that happened in Exodus where the people were free, where God came down and he himself dwelt with them through their whole process. And he is recalling this event in light of exile. And Isaiah 63 is written when the people are just now coming back from this exile where they had been scattered. Their whole nation had been defeated and overthrown and the temple was destroyed and everybody's being brought back. And Isaiah's celebrating this and he's saying, I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of God because of everything that he has done for us. Because he said, surely these are my people. And he became their savior. And in this season, and in all seasons, the prophet encourages us to remember the things that the Lord has done. And now the word things here are like gracious deeds um, is actually the Hebrew word, and I'm really going to try and not throw up like all this phlegm that I have in my throat, but the Hebrew word here is chesed. And yeah, it's a super fun word to say. When you go home, you should try it. Um, but the, this word, it's, it's usually translated as like faithfulness or graciousness or gracious deeds, but you can better understand this word um, up above me as kindnesses. We can better understand this word as loving kindness or covenant 
faithfulness. Chesed is God's zeal. It's his kindness. It's his love towards the chosen people. And to keep joy, to remember the joy that you have, even in your worst situations, you're encouraged to remember the chesed that God has shown not just to Israel and not just to the early Christians, but to us. Remember how God has acted throughout history. Remember how God has acted in your own life up to this point. Think about the hope that's been fulfilled in your life. Remember how God has always been about redemption, about fulfilling hope. Personally, I, I think of how God has led me in my relationship with my wife, which has been the most fulfilling relationship I've ever had. I'm always reminded of my own call into ministry. Those are things that I cling to when I need to find my joy. Let's also remember how God has acted in the lives of those who came before us, how God has directed everything up to this point. Remember Abraham. Remember Moses. Remember David. Remember Paul. Remember countless others. Recall that Jesus came back to this earth as one of us. Remember the amazing hope that we have that Jesus will come back again. You start looking at God's track record and fulfilling hope and you start realizing that we have such a great hope to cling on to. As you celebrate this season, celebrate joy. Allow this to be a time of year when your joy can truly be restored. But let's also remember that this is a time when some people have had their joy squashed. There are some people who are still waiting. They've been waiting for a really long time. For some, Christmas is not a time of joy. But it's a time of anxiety. It's a time of fear. And sometimes it's a time of hopelessness. Even, even just beyond the Christmas season, some people have been waiting for God to act and nothing has happened yet. For some, they just they don't think that there's simply any joy to be had. Maybe this is you today. Maybe it's not. I won't pretend to know what you brought into this space today. And I won't pretend to know what you're going through. But the word of God challenges us today. And it asks, what are you going to do in those situations? Will you continue to hold on to your hopelessness? Will you continue to sit in that? Or will you join in the 2,000-year-long tradition and celebrate joy for the 12 days of Christmas? Will you declare with those celebrating this Christmas season, I know that everything's going to be okay because Christ came as those who came before me asked for. He came. He became our Savior. He became my Savior. And because of that, there is nothing that can steal my joy. In just a moment, you're, you're going to have some time to respond to how the Spirit is moving, how the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And I hope that you will take that time and you will pray and you'll ask for this joy. And maybe, maybe you're in this space today and you need a reminder of the joy that we celebrate this season. Same invitation is extended to you. Pray, ask for the joy that we celebrate. But maybe you're someone 
who holds joy. Maybe you're someone who this season is nothing but one giant celebration for you. My invitation to you in this time is to ask God to extend that joy throughout the rest of your year. But even more than that, ask God to use you to extend that joy to others who need it. Because that's part of why we live here together. So now it's your turn. It's your time to respond to how the Spirit of God is moving and speaking to you today. Take a moment and respond however the Spirit has been speaking to you this morning. joy is remembering what God has done. Relying on the solid rock. Taking comfort in his everlasting unconditional love. Amen. We sang this song earlier and I want to sing it one more time together.
for allowing us to be in this space of worship with you this morning. I pray that you will carry a spirit of celebration as you leave this place. Would you do me a favor, and if you are willing, would you just hold out your hands as I say a blessing over you? I want you to feel the weight of this blessing from the book of Numbers. As you go from this place, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance to you. May he give you overwhelming and unending peace. May you experience joy both this season and all that follow. Thank you for being with us this morning. Blessings upon you. Have an amazing rest of your Christmas season.